Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies that you can use to get the breakthrough you're looking for in your life. I'm your host, Dr. Nevada Gray. Joining me is my co-host, Chris Donahue. We're glad that you're joining us today. If you are enjoying our podcast, we invite you to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from you. Today's episode is sponsored by the Paleo Pharmacist in the Keto Course. Have you ever wanted to learn about the ketogenic diet and how to implement a properly formulated ketogenic diet into your lifestyle? The Keto Course includes instant 30-day access to a one-hour, one-on-one consultation, a month of unlimited email support, over 75 amazing videos, and printable 14-day meal plans, along with grocery lists that will speed up your weight loss and help break stalls. To learn more, see our show notes. Although the holidays may look different this year, that doesn't mean we can't celebrate those who matter most. The Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast is proud and paid sponsorship with the Paleo Pharmacist to be able to offer a free turkey in your first butcher box order. Link in the show notes. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information is provided for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your own personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet and fitness. Josh Perry was born and raised in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. His father bought him his first BMX bike when he was just a kid, and it almost immediately consumed his life. Josh worked tirelessly at perfecting his craft, while his mother drove him all over the country for camps, sessions, and competitions. At 17 years old, Josh was given an opportunity to train with the best of the best. And though it was thousands of miles from home and he had not yet graduated high school, he didn't think twice and moved to Greenville, North Carolina. Josh moved up to the professional level of competition quickly and was riding due tours, X Games, and competing internationally at the highest possible level. Josh felt as if everything he had been working for his entire life and everything he had dreamed about was playing out in front of his eyes. He was only 21 years old and felt like he had everything. But after a nasty crash, his life was threatened. Josh had hit his head and went to a local urgent care to make sure something more serious wasn't happening. He had no damage from the crash, but there was a brain tumor taking up the left half of his brain. Immediate surgical removal was necessary. Josh came out okay and defied all odds by getting back on his bike only five weeks later. That was in 2010, almost a decade later. Josh's life has shifted in some wonderful and very unexpected ways. After two more brain tumor diagnosis, he began researching health and nutrition. He was determined to prioritize his health and take the longevity of his life and the vitality of his brain into his own hands. Josh became certified through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition as a health coach 
became certified through ketogenic.com as a keto specialist, read countless research articles, stacks of books, and communicated with every expert he could. All of Josh's research led him to cultivating a life where consciousness, love, health, and happiness are his first priority. He takes full responsibility for his mental and physical state of being, and he feels like a healthier, happier, and more productive individual because he prioritizes his brain health. Josh's goal is to share knowledge that he has gained with anyone who is ready to change. He wants the world to know how good they can feel by prioritizing their well-being and making simple changes. He will do this continuously and tirelessly through supporting others to become empowered to consciously design their lives by optimizing their health and performance, as well as public speaking, his podcast, and any content he creates. Josh's goal in life is to impact the world the more positive way and leave it better, stronger, and healthier than when he came into it. We hope you enjoy our episode today with Josh Perry. And as always, please subscribe and share with a friend who may be inspired. Josh Perry, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm, I'm doing fantastic. Welcome, Josh. I'm so happy that you're here. I've been following your journey on Instagram for quite some time. I think you're such an inspiring person. And for those of our listeners that are not familiar with your story, do you mind sharing your journey? Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, thank you so much. The, the love and support means the world to me. It helps me move forward every day. And when times get tough, it's always nice to be focused on the purpose and have other people share that. It uh, makes it all worth it. So thank you. Uh, yeah, so I guess uh, long story short, uh, we could start there. <laughs> uh, multiple brain tumor survivor, still living with four brain tumors today, professional BMX athlete, uh, now taking my experiences, what I've learned along the way, my story as a whole, and uh, with the objective to inspire new perspective in other people, because I believe that perspective shift is what leads others to taking new action in their life, and that's what happened to me. But I'm ultimately taking all these pieces, and now I'm speaking around the world, um, you know, I'm coaching people and running workshops and things like that, ultimately to, to help people become the best versions of themselves without learning the hard way as I did. And I say, you know, I was forced into a uh, reactive situation, but I believe we can be proactive. So I live on both sides of the spectrum now. I'm proactive, but I'm still fighting for brain tumors today. Um, but it's all good because I've uh, been led to my purpose, which is to serve and support people. So um, that's, I guess, a little summary of who I am and what I'm doing today. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, I'm really excited to kind of dig into your story and your insights. And, you know, I, people like yourself have kind of been to the other side. And it's always a pleasure and an honor to be able to, you know, speak to you and and uh, gain those kinds of insights. So tell us, I mean, how did it go down? What what happened? And then what you know, what goes through your mind? Like, how does this turn your world upside down when you get a diagnosis like this? Yeah, so it's, it's obviously not something you ever expect or think about happening, especially when you're, you know, tw I was 20 at the time. Um, I was 21 when I actually got diagnosed. But, you know, you think you're invincible. Uh, for me, you know, being a professional athlete, uh, my cover, you know, showing I was healthy. I was in shape. You know, I'm an elite athlete. Um, you never see these things coming, nor do you ever expect something so severe to, to come in and take place. But a little background story on that, you know, like I said, I was 21 when I got diagnosed, but I left 
uh, school, my family, and where I lived in Massachusetts. And I moved to North Carolina when I was 17, like dropping out of high school, leaving my job, all that to pursue this opportunity I had at living my dream, uh, to go train with Dave Mira, the other professionals in Greenville, North Carolina. And along the way, I had a lot of success. You know, uh, it was about a year and a half after that. I was in X Games. Uh, I was third year now on the Do Action Sports Tour, which was at the time the most elite series we had of contests around the nation. And then getting involved in the, uh, the you know, international contests and in the magazines and filming DVD video parts for sponsors and all these, like, literally everything I had worked for was manifesting and beyond. And so come 2009, that whole year, that w- it, it wasn't my rookie year, but it felt like it was. It was my first X Games. Um, you know, I had won my first pro contest, also landed a trick I invented and had never been done in contests before that won me a Harley Davidson the same same day. And, you know, I'm just traveling the world now. And I ne- like, you know, you set these goals, especially at a young age, and all we do is focus um, our intention, our energy, we sleep, we live, like everything we do is that dream. And here I am living it and more than I ever fathomed. And so with that sense of success to me meant a sense of freedom and we now you know we've all heard discipline equals freedom to me success meant freedom back then and so it involved a lot of you know i'm living on my own as a teenager coming into my early 20s so food to me was whatever tastes the best whatever is the cheapest and the easiest because i just need to get it in so i could go ride that's how i approached food so it consisted of a lot of packaged junk processed food um I need to do a video on this. People don't don't believe me when I say like a typical day for me would be wake up probably in the afternoon, have half a box of toaster strudels, orange juice, and probably some other candy or something. And then lunch would be two boxes of macaroni and cheese and a foot long Subway. Dinner would probably be sushi and then a Sonic milkshake later on. And then we'd go out and drink and party. So that was my life in terms of consumption. But then nights consisted of chasing girls, partying, out till three in the morning, sleep all day, wake up and train. Some days train hung over at 10 a.m. when Dave Mira was like, hey, let's go. Um, so I was living this, this successful life on the business and athletic side. But then in terms of my health, uh, I didn't realize the severity of what these things we say are unhealthy, you know. And so I just, again, I'm successful. I'm in shape. I'm young. I'm living my dream. It doesn't matter. And so you know, moving forward to the end of the year, uh, throughout the course of 2009, I'd had about five or six scenarios where I went to the same doctor's office down the road from my house, complaining of these headaches and migraines to the point where they were debilitating. Like I would bury my head in my pillows in my room middle of the day and just, just try to com- be in complete darkness and, and quiet and just sleep. Um, and then it got to the point where I was losing my vision. I was having blurred vision, doubled vision. Um, I was vomiting from the pain sometimes. And so some of the times my friends would actually drive me to the doctor's office and every time I'd go in over that, that year of 2009, I'd say, Hey, shouldn't we get some sort of scan, you know, like an X-ray CT scan, MRI. I don't know, like just something to look at my brain because I don't feel like these are just headaches. I feel like there's something more deep rooted here. And every time I'd be judged by my cover, doctor would say, you're, you're in shape, you're healthy. There's nothing abnormal in the blood work. You know, that all checks out. You just have headaches. It's quite common in America these days, in the world, in fact. You know, and he, he labeled it as normal. Um, here's some pain pills. Come back if you need more. And so the list of pain pills just went on. And now I'm thinking, we have this epidemic in this this country, 
and how easy it is to get pain medication or forced upon you. I've been in situations, even with a broken rib, where I was like, unless I'm about to die, I don't need it. And they wouldn't let me leave without taking the prescription. And then I just threw it away. I just, that's a whole other story. So 2009 is just a year of success, but also suffering. And I begin to, to accept that my life moving forward isn't going to be any easier than what I've already gone through up until that point and accept this sense of suffering as my new reality. Come March 2010, trying a new trick for the first time outside of the foam pit, I over-rotate the flip and the spin of the trick, hit my head, get knocked out, had a, you know, a helmet on but still got a concussion, which is a whole other topic of helmets don't prevent concussions they don't help the brain they help the skull from fractures that was a big debate um or not debate but that that stirred up a lot of controversy after i went to aiming clinics and we learned these things um on the internet they people didn't like that but um how to get an mri that whole year and a couple months after of complaining and asking for headaches having health insurance i paid for and denied now that i hit my head it was deemed necessary um and in fact very important to check the brain for swelling and bleeding and so get the MRI. I'm driving there a day or two later to get the report by myself because I can see I'm not throwing up. I'm only in a little bit of pain physically for my body because of the crash, of course. And I'm thinking, man, it's already been two days. I'm already itching to ride. Like, you know, going through all these scenarios, what are they going to say? Maybe a week, maybe 10 days, maybe two weeks off. Could be worse, you know. And so I get there and I'm waiting in the office and the doctor comes in, asks me how I'm doing. And I'm like, all right, I'm doing pretty well. You know, just kind of just antsy to know when I can get back on my bike. I'm a little sore from the crash, but, um, you know, it, you know, it's whatever. So what do we got? He said, well, there's no swelling. There's no bleeding. So that checks out. And I remember standing up. I'm like, all right, cool. So like, how long is I going to ride? Like what, two weeks? And he's like, no, no, no. He said back down, there was um, something abnormal in your scan. I was like, what do you mean? Did I move? You know, like I, I tend to fall asleep in MRIs and I twitch in my sleep. So I was like, ah, dang, did I like, did I move? Do we have to do it again? It's like, well, it's a little bit more, more severe than that. Uh, there's something in your brain that shouldn't be there. And I was confused. And I remember laughing and being like, what do you mean there's something in my brain that shouldn't be there? I didn't put anything there. I can't put anything in my brain. Like, what are you, what are you saying? It's like, well, at this time, we don't know if it's benign or cancerous. But we do know if you want a shot at living, you have to have surgery immediately. And there's still a chance you may not wake up. Oh, and you'll probably never ride your bike again. So, so to me... Again, I'm by myself. I just turned 21 the November prior. It's March now, 2010. And I thought I was going to be told two weeks off the bike from a concussion, you know, typical protocol. And now I just get told I'm about to die. All I heard was cancer, never going to ride your bike again. You may die. And then everything just, it was like a, a scene out of a movie where the character gets like bad news, slow motion kicks in, that ringing in the, the ears kicks in. And it's just like this weird out-of-body experience where it's like, Time doesn't seem real. Life doesn't seem real. But like you're just watching your own horror movie that you're the star of. And it, it just felt like everything was caving in on me and I couldn't I couldn't handle it. And the best way to put it beyond that is like there was just this flood of emotions to where it just felt numb, just felt so surreal. And, and I just felt broken. Here I am living my dream, everything I sacrificed, left my family, left the job, left the you know American dream I was getting set up for. Um, and all this sacrifice, like literally blood, sweat, tears. When people say that, I sometimes, you know, argue. I'm like, well, did you really go through blood, sweat, and tears? Like, we literally went through blood, sweat, and tears to get there. 
And now everything is going to be taken away from me. All the people judging me in the past telling me, you've got to have a backup plan. You know, you're going to fail at this. Like all those people are about to be right. And I started thinking about all these scenarios. But then I ultimately just started thinking about them. Like literally, I'm about to die. That was the only thought I could think of. It didn't matter. I didn't know what benign or cancerous meant. I just heard brain tumor. And I just instantly, I was like, man, I'm, I'm dead. And that those thoughts just started spiraling. And I just, I had to run out. So um, it was just like a weird, it's, it's almost, it feels, it's, it'll be 10 years um, in April this, this year since the, the brain surgery I had, which was the first surgery I ever had, which is really interesting to think about. Um, but it almost feels fake, you know, telling the story. Even though I had the pictures, I had the videos, I had the scar on my head. Um, I had the screws in my skull. It almost feels like it never really happened because of how, how wild of an experience it was. I mean, at any age, let alone when you're 21. And so, yeah, that, that's, it, it was just like an interesting time to reflect on. But ultimately, it brought me to where I am today. So I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for it, despite what most people think it being the worst thing that ever happened to me. Yes, it's absolutely amazing when you get bad news, uh, because I got bad news. I had a disc herniate in my back that paralyzed me from the waist down. Fortunately, I've made a a full recovery. But when you're being rushed into emergency surgery, it was literally an out-of-body experience. I completely get what you're talking about. And, you know, someone saying, oh, I'm never going to walk again, or, oh, I'm never going to ride my bike again. And your whole life is flashing in front of you. And then boom, you're out from anesthesia and then you're waking up with all these tubes coming out of you and it's, it's just an absolute nightmare. So how did you pick yourself up from that after your surgery? Uh, what did you do to empower yourself that you were just going to beat the odds and become the Josh Perry you are today? It, it started beforehand, you know, um, and that's why I think it's so important for people to have a clear vision for their life and purpose, but also something they're com- Completely passionate about that just consumes them whether it's 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 for you know for fun it's a part of their career um or it's just it's new it's that's what helps me because it was a week and a half from diagnosis of surgery and dr alan friedman here at duke university in north carolina he actually moved some of his patients later on like to get me in sooner like, I thought that was pretty interesting. Like, that was like, dang. Like, I mean, if anyone's seen the photos of the MRI that I post every now and then, I mean, you'll, you'll see the severity of how I, I label it as like a funky sweet potato looking thing growing in my brain. But um, it was just after the diagnosis and the initial I'm going to die, you know, feelings and thoughts, it turned into I'm not done riding. Like, I've only been pro for like two or three years at this point. Like, I, I have so much life to live and so much more to accomplish in, in my career and on my bike. And I just started focusing on that and just focusing on the future vision that I've been working towards and wanted to create. And so during that one and a half week period, three things stand out that helped me a lot was, you know, now I've made a name for myself around the world in the BMX community. So people that heard my story were reaching out, you know, thinking of me, you know, giving me, you know, love and support, um, you know, encouraging me. Uh, my mom's story battling colon cancer and keeping it from me, um, you know, a lot of my childhood or like my late teenage years so I could go pursue this dream um, and seeing her, you know, alive and well and strong through that, you know, she instilled that in me on top of like the work ethic in my family that was instilled in me from a young age. But then I read Lance Armstrong's first book around that time. And that just, to me, I was like, man, like he went through brain, lung and testicular cancer, came out on top and then got back to his level of competition and whatever people's opinions of him are, it doesn't to me it's irrelevant because 
he went through an experience that not many people understand and can fathom what it feels like. And to get back to that level was phenomenal. And so not a BMX rider, but another guy on a bike. And I was like, man, like he did it. I can do this. I just, you know, to me, I just have a brain tumor. I don't, I don't have two thirds of what he went through. And so all these pieces, it led me to thinking rather than thinking, what if I don't wake up, which is easy to go to, you know, it, it's, it's the place small, the victim mentality. It's easy to go there initially. I started thinking about what happens when I wake up. All I focused on from, you know, middle of that week and a half period up until, you know, lights out before surgery was what am I going to do differently? What am I going to do better? Who am I going to be? And I just started watching all my riding videos, my friends riding videos. And I was like, just focused on that vision. And that's why I say I think it's really important for someone to have something so passionate or something that they're so passionate about in their life because it changes your chemistry. It changes your mind and your, your physiology. And I believe that that's what allowed me to come out on the other end alive, but with the mindset, I'm going to get back on my bike. doesn't matter that I just went through brain surgery. doesn't matter that I have, you know, four screws in my skull now. Like, I'm not going to be afraid because that's not going to serve me and my desires in life. And so it was just getting really focused on that, that vision that I've been working my life towards and wanting to carry that out beyond. What brought you to the ketogenic diet? Because I know that you've spoken quite a bit about that on your Instagram. And I'm just curious uh, when you started that and if you could speak to your experience with that for patients that are going through something similar. Yeah, so the ketogenic diet came into my life. Um, so April 2010 was the brain surgery. And then it was after the second diagnosis in 2012 where I went to Boston, Tufts Medical Center, had gamma knife to uh, basically zap the two tumors that grew back from the original surgery and the complications. They shrunk for four years and been stable ever since, so that's, that's amazing. But it was shortly after that and blowing out my knee that I found Grain Brain by Dr. David Perlmutter. A friend gave it to me for um, a birthday present. And I read that, and it just changed my world of what I, my perspective of what food was, what healthy food was, and what health is and isn't. But also, more importantly, the metabolic effect on our health based on our blood sugar levels and how that affects the brain <clears throat> and certain foods and ultimately like grain brain. So, you know, a lot of focus on grains and grain derived foods. And that was the first time I ever heard about a ketogenic diet or ketones and ketosis. So I didn't I didn't take it as serious because I didn't understand this, the impact it would have on my brain and my overall life. But I adopted a ton of the principles. You know, that's when I initiated a high-fat, low-carb diet. Uh, cut out juice and fruit, things I thought were healthy. Um, cut out all grains. I left in sweet potatoes and you know oats and things like that because I was still in the understanding that being an athlete, I need glycogen. You know, so I was 150 or less of total carbs a day. So I was, you know, still in there, and I probably was in a state of ketosis from time to time just with my eating habits and my training. But I say I've been, you know, following a ketogenic lifestyle uh, since 2017 because that's when I actually started testing my blood um, for glucose and ketones. But then, really optimizing, you know, my, I guess, choices in the foods, like really cutting out. Like I don't, I, I don't remember the last time I had a sweet potato, even though I love sweet potatoes, which I could, I could handle now. But um, I just feel best with the way I live now. So. Technically speaking, I say three years I've been living this lifestyle because that's when I started tracking my blood. Now, the benefits I've seen from it is, you know, of course, body composition improvements, but that's that's an under, 
like I feel like that's a fundamental of a ketogenic diet just based on what's happening metabolically. Um, that wasn't my goal though. My goal was understanding, you know, cell turnover and tumor growth and suppressing inflammation and potential uh, cancer risk, but also antioxidant production in the body that we have abilities to and detail, like all these things. That was my focus, but really it was the performance of my brain. And so now, thankfully, I've taken a similar route to BMX. I reverse engineered it to where people like, you know, um, Ryan Lowry and Jacob Wilson, you know, I've, I've connected with them on a personal level and Dr. Dom, like all these amazing thought leaders and researchers and doctors, I'm like, I need to just follow them. I need to connect with, them. I need to learn from them. And so last spring, Ryan and I went to Amen Clinic and Dr. Daniel Amen, and we got a spec scan of our brain. We did three scans. We did a baseline uh, concentration scan, ADHD test, um, and we did a baseline at rest, you know, just relaxing in a quiet room with pictures and music and just relaxing by ourselves. And then we did a third scan. It was a concentration scan, that same ADHD test, but with the exogenous ketones uh, consumed 30 minutes prior. And despite what they, th they thought with no changes were going to occur, my tests, both of our test results improved. Our cognitive um, performance went up and our focus. But for me, the, the severe ADHD that I've, I've been diagnosed with many times over the years that they showed on the first test um, with the exogenous ketones, they couldn't find any form of it. But also blood flow returned to different parts of the brain activity. was um, So it was really interesting to see it, it supported objectively ADHD cognitive performance but then i've also gone to aspie ryan and jacob's lab in tampa florida and i've done their neurological tests and cognitive tests and stuff that they use with parkinson patients and tbi athletes and saw again uh improvements with exogenous ketone supplementation uh beforehand and so for me that's really powerful because i don't have a, like a profound experience when i consume ketones or being on a ketogenic diet i think my baseline has just risen over the years where so I just don't feel like garbage every day. So I'm like, I'm accustomed to that now. But some people light it up so differently just by drinking ketones. And I wanted to test that to see if what I'm going by faith is really working and be able to see that. Um, but then I've also been able to connect with my buddy Miles out of Plymouth, Massachusetts. Him and his mom reached out to me about two years ago now as a last resort to a third brain surgery and to remove more brain matter because that's what they thought were triggering seizures. He had a brain tumor removed and then a second brain surgery removed more brain matter because the seizures didn't go away. The seizures are what found the tumor. Uh, but they were looking at a third brain surgery to remove more brain matter. And he was on like 12 different kinds of medications. They learned about keto. They didn't follow me. So they reached out and we got him on a ketogenic diet. And, you know, it went from seven a day to a couple a day to one a day to a couple a week. And then he just went about seven months without a single seizure. And he's off some of the medications now. And like for me, a high school dropout to be able to share something like that with someone and preserve their quality of life and to avoid such a deteriorating process of cutting your skull open, all the drugs added to it, the, the TBI alone of it from a brain surgery and all those things is, is phenomenal. And then beyond that, I've helped people, you know, with type two diabetes, get off their medication, drop significant amount of weight. But like, I find that that's the easy part when you focus on the brain, when you focus yeah. on the brain, everything else is a byproduct. Wow. <laughs> Josh, wonderful stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of the metabolic theory of cancer, going back to Dr. Otto Warburg, uh, 
Thomas Seafried, of course, Don Agostino, like you said. And, uh, you know, even in my own family, uh, my father's actually dealing with some cancer. And, you know, it drives me crazy when that's how they actually find the cancer with this glucose PET scan. Yeah. They give you this sugar that's, you know, targeted. And then they say, ah, look where the sugar went. There's your tumor. And it's like, I think right there, that would be a red flag to anyone. Gee, mm -hmm. I, I might want to watch my sugar consumption and uh, being the primary driver of cancer. But um, that's really neat about the exogenous ketones. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan. I do use them. I do uh, recommend them to a lot of my clients that have traumatic brain injury, Alzheimer's, uh, different you know neurological conditions, and um, what uh, besides the keto? What other mind body strategies have you used along your your journey here? This is probably my favorite question. And before I answer it, um, I should know. I just did a presentation this last weekend, and I forgot to mention this. I think they got it from my story. But the third diagnosis I received in 2017 of two additional tumors on the other side of my brain, uh, that's why I have four today. That's what ultimately led me in all in on keto, bought a glucometer, started reading more, researching more. And because of that, we haven't treated it with any surgery, medications, or gamma. Like we haven't done anything to these two new ones and no progression. And I've talked to uh, Dr. Westman out here and Dr. Andrew Fung, and they were like, well, because I, I was in an understanding that it was only cancer that keto could help. And, you know, they say I have benign meningioma brain tumors. And so I was like, well, can you guys help me? I, I'm thinking it's because I'm reducing the sugar, I'm reducing the insulin. And Dr. Fung was like, yeah, you're reducing, I believe it was IGF-1. And so the cells aren't turning over as much or as rapidly because you're not feeding it as well. And so they're, it's not feeling it. And I was like, I thought that's what it was, but now you've confirmed it. And then I also have the ketones for my liver and then the exogenous ketones. And I'm in uh, keto mastery from Dr. Ryan Lowry and Jacob Wilson. And I'm just learning a whole host of more, more information. It's like starting to make so much sense now. Um, so I just want to make sure I, I, I had to make sure I mentioned that because I forgot this weekend in my presentation. And I think it's a very important part of why I follow ketogenic diet besides the brain performance aspects. But to your question, my other favorite piece that's helped me along the way that I didn't understand I was developing these practices the whole time was really being aware of the unconscious or the subconscious mind and how powerful our thoughts are. And so Dr. Joe Dispenza came into my life about three years ago. And uh, I, one of, I actually incorporated him into my last presentation with a slide of these different things. And I was breaking down what the definition of mindset is and then how it, it, attitudes is a part of that word or part of that definition and then what that means and then choices and fear. And then on the other side of the slide, I had um, one of the quote cards from Dr. Joe on his Instagram. One of my favorite quotes from him is your personality creates your personal reality. And so he talks about how your personality is made of your thoughts, emotions, and actions and how all these create a cycle and experience, which creates a snapshot, which is a memory and all these things and how... My favorite thing that I've just learned recently from him is we have about 68,000 thoughts a day, 90% of which are the same every day, and 50% of them aren't even real. They're just made up perceptions of our past experiences and our feelings. And by the time we're in our mid-30s, we're running on a, about a 95% subconscious automatic program. And just understanding that, that blew my mind. And I was like, that makes so much sense why any one of us that wants to make a change in our life, whether it's keto, it's going to the gym, it's starting a business, it's going into this course, whatever it is, asking someone out on a date, 
when we try to do something that's different or out of the norm or out of our comfort zone, it makes sense why how the majority of our mind is controlled by the past, whether we experienced something or we saw something, we just took in information. And so that's my favorite piece of life right now. And where I'm starting to learn how many pieces of my story, it fits into that, that mold to help resonate with someone else. It's not about keto. It's not about BMX. It's not about brain tumors. It's about what you feed your mind in terms of your thoughts. Obviously, nutrition is very important, but um, I think what you consume physically and mentally are, are two of the most important pieces that we have a choice in every day. So that's, that's, that's where uh, I've uh, been implementing more beyond just physiological changes to my life. Yes, and there's true power in realizing that every moment is a moment to choose differently. Uh, um, Chris and I are huge fans of Dr. Joe Dispenza. He actually recovered from a traumatic spine injury, yep. which is how I found him in my recovery. He played a huge role in my recovery and shifts in my own mindset. What are the top three strategies that you would give somebody to help them turn it around and develop their mind into a different uh, perception in just kind of coming into their destiny, realizing the person that they can become and letting go of fear and just embracing their destiny? Um, <clears throat> the first thing is perspective, knowing that if you're alive still, shit could always be worse. You know, um, that's an, an integral piece I learned right before brain surgery was gratitude to be alive still and to have a chance to wake up tomorrow based on my choice today. And then that leads me to my second thing I love talking about is our reality is a manifestation of our choices. What we choose to think and what we choose to do moving forward is going to create our reality. It doesn't matter about the circumstance you're in. I mean, everyone has a different reality they live within, but the, the, the same, like the commonality between all of us is what we can put in our mind. No matter what you're going through, you can still choose to see the world one way or another way. Uh, I think that that that's really important. And then the third piece is just awareness and accountability for your life. You know, if you're like, let's think of your life as a movie. If you're unhappy with your movie, well, you're the director, you're the producer, you're the actor, you're the story writer. You know, it's not that easy, but it's that simple. It just takes that consciousness and then the desire to change it. And then a the fourth thing to add is what I was talking about, about having something that you're so passionate about that consumes you, that wakes you up every day, that you're excited to do, that you're excited to learn more about. You know, I think having all these pieces together, it makes up a holistic approach to the mind um, and the body. But I think that that's what's helped me. And there's no right or wrong. I mean, someone may have a whole different top five that works for them, and none of what I just said resonates with them. But that's the beauty of it. Everyone has their own mind and their own reality thereafter. And so those are the things that I share because they've they've brought profound shifts to my life and led me to a lot of amazing things that if I just, you know, after the brain surgery was like, oh, like I'm not going to ride anymore. It's it's too risky. You know, I'm just going to play small. I'm going to go back to school or something. I may not have been as fulfilled as I am today, had this conversation, been around the world. That I, I, 11 months after I was in Iraq performing for the troops. Like, how crazy is that? And that's when the, that was actually on the C-130 when we were flying base to base. That was the first time I thought about the last 11 months of my life and how crazy it is that I'm still alive, I'm progressing in my sport, and I'm in Iraq. I'm on a, I'm on a war, sh uh, war plane, literally, flying around a war zone, 
to share my love for something with the troops. So um, those are the things that have helped me, and those are the things I practice um, and I try to share as much as I can. Wow. <clears throat> that is super inspiring, Josh. So, you know, for people that are dealing with a chronic disease, often what we see is it really comes to define them. It's, uh becomes just wrapped up in their identity. It's who they are. For some people, it's a crutch. It's an excuse. It's the reason why they can't live up to their fullest potential. So for someone sitting at home listening to this right now, what would you, what would you tell them if they have a chronic disease? I'd ask them what they want. Is that what they want? Is that what they want to be defined by? Um, is that what they want their reality to look like? Because whatever they're perceiving, saying, and thinking, and therefore influence um, or influences what they do, that's where they're going to be. You know, so it's like rewriting the narrative of your story. Um, I try not to say do this or that because what works for me may not work for you or them, but really just asking those challenging questions. And I used to talk about, you know, when times get tough, you know, I've been there. I've been there myself. I've dealt with, you know, um, suicide and my friends and my family. Um, you know, I've dealt with immense amount of physical pain to do what I love that most people won't ever experience in their life. Um, and that's to do something I love. Um, so I really just try to ask, you know, like, wh what is it that you really want? Um, but I used to talk about we have two choices when these situations come up, when adversity or obstacles come up. We can choose the route of the survivor or what I call the route for victimville. Uh, at, at the beginning, they're both the same amount of energy and time, but the victim route takes more energy and time, more investment in the long run, because the further down you go with what we just talked about with the mind and the subconscious, it's harder to get away from there. And I've learned to change it from survivor to creator, because I was thinking about this before my presentation this weekend. I was like, man, survivor just like I don't want to just like survive something like I want to like thrive. And I feel like thrive when you're talking about survivor is, is, is used quite often, but I love the Dr. Joe approach, you know, the creator. Um, ultimately we are the creator. Like uh, no matter what your belief is with religion or universal energy or spirituality, like we're a part of something that created us. Therefore we're a part of that. We're, we're a creator. Um, and just like if you drop your coffee it spills like that was something you influenced. You created that moment. Um, if you didn't drop your coffee, you wouldn't have coffee in the ground. You know, like it's a very generic and probably lame um, example, but um, it's not survivor, it's creator. We don't want to just get by. And I'm learning that in business too. It's like maybe you have your goal and instead of your goal to like just get by, maybe like have enough money to take my girlfriend on a date. It's like, let's create new targets after that. You know, so it's, it's not about just getting by and surviving. It's really about creating the life you want. And that comes back with the vision you create. I absolutely love that. So tell us, what's next for you, Josh? Uh, what's next for me is I'm getting excited to, um, the end of this month, my goal to have my rough draft, my book all finalized and then submit to an editor. So that's been a long time in the making, um, a lot of uh, limiting beliefs that I could write a book, even though I was writing things all the time. So that's all been working out. Um, and I'm getting ready to start doing my first couple corporate workshops around uh, specifically the ketogenic diet and lifestyle. Um, uh, speaking more, you know, I've been speaking about two years next month. And so just 
progressing more and more with that. Um, yeah, and just really just anything I can do and learn along the way to grow and to fulfill my mission, which is, you know, my why, my purpose is to inspire a new perspective. Um, I feel like I said before, I believe that that's what makes these shifts to become the best versions of ourselves. And ultimately, I don't want people to suffer to learn that they can empower themselves and they can be the creator of their lives and they can be as successful as they want or don't want you know it's just really a matter of that mindset shift into what success really means to you so um whether it's writing it's you know having these conversations it's speaking it's creating content um it all goes towards my why and i just want to be able to show people no matter what you think that's what you're going to create i'm i'm no one special you know i'm a broke kid from cape cod that had nothing more than a dream and i fought every day to make that happen and i continue to do uh, more so out of love than the the spite and anger to prove people wrong that got me to where I needed to go. But now I've changed it to gratitude and love moving forward. And if I can do these things, if I can go from a horrible diet topped off with a bunch of alcohol at night every night to what I do today and enjoy it, other people can do that. If I can start a business on my own when I, I didn't really have any training in that you know what what are you able to do so that's that's ultimately what i want to accomplish in the the various different paths i'm taking to do so and i absolutely love it i love that you're from massachusetts <laughs> i i think it's one of the best states in the united states boston um so josh where can these guys find you and and connect with you uh so my website is just joshperrybmx.com and then um, all the social media is just Josh Perry BMX. I'm most active on uh, Instagram as far as you know communicating with people, but I post regularly on YouTube and LinkedIn and Facebook and stuff too. So um, if there's a social platform you have and I'm on there, it's Josh Perry BMX. Awesome, Josh. Inspiring stuff, brother. I I, I know that you're just scratching the surface. Amazing things in your future. We're looking forward to seeing it and supporting you and learning from you along the way. Thank you so much for coming on today. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate the both of you and your time and the opportunity to share. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast. We are now available on iHeart Podcast and all of your favorite podcast listening platforms. As always, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from you. If you're interested in being a guest on our podcast, send us an email, link in the show notes.